This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. And happy holidays, everyone, and welcome into Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. The end of 2019 uh, feels like the beginning of 2020 already as J-Doc and I come to you with a special one-hour President's Hour with the president of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding, is with us. And Pat, um, I must tell you, uh, it was so challenging uh, and difficult to get on your schedule. And at a time when the holiday season um, is bustling around us, uh, you are jammed morning tonight uh, with activity uh, on what's going on. There is so much going on. Well, Joe, uh, I apologize for that, but I really can't apologize for what has to be done. There's an awful lot that has to be done. And, you know, listen, first of all, uh, I, I'll say this in the beginning, I'll say at the end, have a great holiday season and hopefully a, a very prosperous and healthy new year to everyone. But, uh, you know, we have stuff that doesn't change because of the calendar. And, uh, you know, fortunately, we have a lot of great things that are happening, good things. By the same token, we have uh, have issues that need to have attention, whether, you know, whether it's Christmas time or Hanukkah time or whatever time it is, because it's there. And, and, and I will tell you, most prominent on my mind is, is the situation in the schools with the asbestos and the lead. And, and uh, uh, as Joe mentioned to me earlier about the, uh, the great uh, press conference we had up in Harrisburg, um, just uh, hundreds of kids and, and folks who care, teachers and parents, and some of the legislators, the ones who care, uh, and I say, that, I, I say that very pointedly to the other ones who uh, may not like me saying they don't care, but if they cared, they would do something about it. You know, this, this amount of money, whether it's $170 million or $200 million, to clean these schools up, when you think about the big picture, it's a mere bag of tell compared to what the budget is. And when folks talk about putting money in a rainy day fund, I have to say very clearly, it's raining asbestos, fellas and, and ladies. It's raining asbestos, and these kids are breathing it. Every day we're closing another school. Uh, I will tell you that I'm investigating, and with cooperation from the school district, the history of what's already been done. Because guess what? We have a, a law in Philadelphia that folks may not know about and maybe not paying attention. It comes out of the Department of Health. It's under our management. And that law clearly says that any asbestos that's recognized to be friable when it's dealt with, it, number one, has to have a certified person take and deal with it. It's classified whether it's a big job or a small job and relatively to those sizes, the way the work's to be done. And by the way... There's supposed to be a record of where that material went when it was taken off of the pipe or taken off of the duck or wherever. And last but not least, the final, the final test, the air test, if you will, of how clean the environment is, the air in that room where the work was done, is so very, very important. Because done wrong, 
and not being done properly and not being cleaned properly, whether it's being wiped down the walls and floors, when they take that air test, that aggressive air test, if it shows any of those fibers still there, it has to be cleaned again until there's zero fibers. So make sure you understand that no fiber, small, big, and mostly the small fibers are the ones that do the damage, is too many. There is no little bit of asbestos. And, you know, I get very passionate when I talk about it. I, I represented the insulators and asbestos workers for many years. I buried many a member for, with mesothelioma. Uh, it, it came about, the, the, the study of it came about when we couldn't even say it most of the time. You know, the cooperation of our employers and, and our union, Local 14, has a fund with Fox Chase Cancer to this day. Can't find out why Pat Eiding's still alive and the folks he worked with around asbestos are gone. But that's the kind of disease it is. There's a mystery to it. It takes anywhere from 10 to 15 years before it shows up. So how important is that when the kids might be breathing asbestos right now while we're talking, the teachers who teach those kids breathing asbestos, and that's why it's meaningful when you realize that the young lady working so many 17 years or so at a school now finds out she has mesothelioma. The, the facts are real. The facts are not, we're not blowing these things up. This is, uh, you know, as I said up at uh, Harrisburg, when you think we're crying wolf, we are, Governor Wolf. Try to do something with these people on either side of the table to get something done for these kids and these teachers. The time's now. There's no tomorrow with this stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, I, so, Joe and Joe, it's, 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 it's so much paramount on my mind to see these kids and knowing that any one of them or many of them could be breathing asbestos. Pat, would you say this is... And we didn't touch lead yet. No, no. Would you say, and you've been through the roughest of this type of situation, is this a state of the emergency? State of emergency? It's absolutely an emergency. It's absolutely an emergency. And the, the, the people, the legislators in Harrisburg who treat it less than an emergency are fools. I, I can't say it any clearer. I have other words I could say because I grew up in Kensington, but fools, I think, is proper on a station. And they are very foolish to even think that they should play politics with this little bit of money. They have to clean it up. They have to clean it up now. They can't. And by the way, it's a major job for Dr. Hype because he's got to find out where to put these kids. These kids can't be in the school when they're cleaning up this mess. And, and so it's, it is a, it's an emergency that needs to be directed. Money can fix it because we have enough workers that are trained and we have the ability to train workers to do this work. I know the Insulators Local 14 has an ongoing certification program that everybody has to be recertified, including the contractors. So the, the, the availability of the expertise to do it is there. We don't want to be done haphazardly because done wrong, it could be worse than it was before it was touched. So it's an emergency, Joe, in, in, in that state that we have kids and we have teachers and God knows who else that are, that are sitting all day in an environment that could be contained, with, could, could be, they could be breathing asbestos fibers. And the worst of it is the ones you can't see are the ones that kill you. And interesting enough... Um, it's so ironic that Pat Hiding, of all of our labor leaders, the number one guy is the individual who uh, ran the uh, Insulators Union for so many years. And so there's no, you know, we have a voice here. Pat, what, the, 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 the work that's already been done, and I, you touched on it briefly, um, are there records for it? 
Is there, you know, who did it? Who were the contractors that did it? How can we get our hands on those well, things? Well, it's not the work that's already done. Yeah, no, no, Pat, it, 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 it is. Is it the work that's, that, that was done before, or is it the work that has to be done that Both, we right? need the money for? Well, the, the two things that I'm looking for, Joe, one is the money that we have to take care of the overall situation, which is monumental in the form of danger, but not monumental in the form of cost when, you, when it's relative to the kind of monies we spend on other things. But on the other end of it, it's important that where work has been done, that for, you know, for the for the for the uh, mental security of parents and other folks who have been around, that the work was done properly, so they know if their kids are in that school that the the end result, the tests that were done, left a clean environment for them to go to school there. Who did so, that work, Pat? Well, that's. So, so in fairness to the school district, I know it takes some time. What I'm asking for is a lot of schools for six months. And so I expect right after the first of the year that they, they are working on it now to give us either. And it doesn't have to be to me. It can be to the city. I don't care who it is. As long as they can produce records that show who did the work, how the work was done, where the material went, and what was the final outcome of the, of the air test. And then if we get those positive answers, then we could say to the parents, you know, at school A or school B, that work was done and here's the records. And when they did the, the air test, it came out clear and that, and that negative. And that's good. Is there an uprising from the parents yet? Do these oh. people really know what they're going, what, what's going on here? Because this is an epidemic. And, 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 I have parents are so confused and concerned. They've been reaching out to me. Folks don't, I don't, I wouldn't know them if I bumped on the street, but they they're looking for a, a voice of reason maybe a, a little bit of knowledge and i don't claim to be knowing all that but what i do know i know what mesothelioma does see it's even hard to say sometimes but i know what it does because many of my brothers i've i've sat and held their hand while they were dying and and so you know and it's the, it's the most and i i tried not to be too scary in harrisburg but i had to say it it's the most debilitating disease you can imagine and it's so hard to recognize once it's in you that by the time many folks are found to have this exposure being uh, cancerous, it's too late. I mean, most of our folks, when they found out and were diagnosed, six months later, they were gone. And I have to tell you, the time in that six months, you wouldn't believe what it does to a person's body. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are being sponsored by Plumbers Local 690, Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, Iron Workers Local 401, and SEIU Local 32BJ. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll be to it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you. Holiday weekend here in the end of the year, and we end the year with a very difficult and a very challenging uh, conversation, Pat, for the benefit of everybody listening on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. As you know, this is uh, this is a very, very uh, powerful radio station. This is a 50,000-watt stick that reaches uh, a lot of people. I wonder how many people uh, listening to the broadcast tonight um, are confused by the topic, are confused by the talk of having to pull the kids and, uh, and the teachers out of the school. But when you say it's an emergency, 
that word alone sends off bells and whistles in the minds of everyone. Well, you know, it's 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 when they, discla- they declare an emergency because some weather forecast is predicting something's coming. They don't wait till it gets here to tell you that it's an emergency. Here we are with a situation where we know it's not a guessing game. We know that these schools have asbestos, some friable, which means it's exposed to the air, and some not. The ones they've had to close down are obviously friable, or they wouldn't have to close them down. And to tell you how deep and hard this is as an issue, you know, talking to someone and said, well, listen, we'll make sure these old boiler rooms. By the way, in these old schools, the the, the boiler rooms, when you go down the steps, it's like going down into a dungeon. If you watch any of those old movies with dungeons, they're dark, they're dank, and they're dusty. And most of the boilers are so old, in fact... We had one blow up one a few years ago. One blew up and killed one of the workers. There. That's right. We did so, the show. So when, when you say, okay, we're cleaning things up, I say, okay, fine. Now, you're going to close off the boiler room because you, you've recognized the dust has asbestos, right? All right. Is there a maintenance man person going to go down in that boiler room to check something out? Well, yeah. Okay. Now, when that person comes up, and he walks in that dust and then walks up the steps and, and walks down the corridor, walking past the classrooms where the kids are. Where do you think that dust goes? And by the way, the fibers that we're talking about, you can't see them. They're that small. It's like the dust that you would see on a sunny day when you look at your window and you see these particles and it just happens to be. That may be atmosphere. part of the problem. These people don't, uh, you know, and I say that, you know, I'm talking about the higher ups that are trying to, um, but in general, these are not easy to see. And let's talk about the, well, the, that's the, those maintenance men you're talking about from the local The maintenance 32. men themselves, absolutely. And that's, and they, and they were there talking the same because they know they, they deal with it all the time. And, and the thing about it is when you say, well, you know, well, you've got to close the school, put, because once you recognize this situation, you've got to see how far reaching it is. And so you need to close it off and you need to get the kids out of there so you can do the testing. Hopefully in a lot of the schools where you find it, it's contained there pretty good. But considering through the years the friable asbestos might have been floating around for a while, you don't know what part of the school it's in. So you, you have to do aggressive air monitoring to, in the corridors. And I mean, at the Franklin School, Ben Franklin School, they, they closed off the, they put a wall up, but they found out later that the contractor got... Don't know why that was happening, but was walking. His people were walking down a corridor with the bags of asbestos. Now, what are you going to tell me? That bag of asbestos was completely clean on the inside and the outside. So it's just no little bit that it, this is. So it is an emergency, and and I, I just want to say to folks out there, there's professionals that can take care of this. We know what the situation is. We know that we want to work with the city and the school district to get this cleaned up. All we need is a little bit of help from Harrisburg. $175 million will fix the problem. And then what they should do, once they, they help with the problem here, take a look across this great, this great state and see how many other old schools are in this situation. It's not just Philadelphia. I mean, and we're not even talking about the condition of the schools. That's another story. I mean, that's, you know, where, where kids can't walk down, when they're walking down the aisle, they can't even see because the lights are so bad or the dirt, dirty water fountains. That, that's another issue. This one's the emergency. That one's a long, a long uh, story to get fixed. Do you so, feel, Pat, uh, do you feel that, that that Harrisburg is going to respond? Well, I know, you know, some of the champions that we have, and Senator Tina Tartaglione and Senator Hughes, Vincent Hughes, and I have to tell you, Liz Fielder, uh, State Representative Liz Fielder, has been 
right out front with this from the very beginning. When this coalition got together talking, she's been out there. Uh, her and Senator Hughes were, were the real motivator of putting this press conference together up in Harrisburg. We had uh, many, if not all, of our uh, state reps who were there uh, and rightly so. And ones that couldn't be there for some reason, they were in session. They certainly made themselves known by somebody. But the parents, I mean, when you listen to the parents and you see the parents crying because their kids go to that school and they don't know the answer, you know. So anyway, uh, it's the end of the year. And, and that's an issue that we're going to fix. Somehow or another, we're going to fix it. And then I hope we're going to fix it over the long haul. But listen, we've had a great year. We, in my opinion, we've had our great mayor get reelected, which I think is, is going to move the city forward, especially in areas of kids and their education and those kinds of things. And I know he's got, he's got to work at what he's got, but, uh, you know, he's got the right attitude and the right mind to, uh, to, uh, and I have to tell you the the answer to most of our problems over the long haul is good education and getting the kids a, ch- a chance to graduate and get jobs. But and as you can see, though, Pat, it, it all overlaps. Like, in other words, ironically, we're talking about the, the education and, and, and you know, we have a mayor that's, that is on board and we, we have that opportunity. But it's just amazing as, as, as just, you know, hearing it. And, and, I, and I don't mean to digress, but, you know, it reminds me of a movie. I'm not joking. Where the one guy in the room in the big room full of massive amounts of people that's jumping up and down is you be, because you know hears it. that yeah. what, because you, you lived it. So sleeping at night, I know you must have had some, and, and this is a cause that, and how is, by the way, I just wanted to ask you this. Uh, SEIU Local 32BJ, they, they do the blue-collar workers in the schools. Are they, you know, are they heavily, I mean, you know, in, at District 1201, are they heavily well, here, here's, engaged? Here's a little bit of the history. You know, when... Negotiations a few years ago under George Richeza were going strong, and they were threatening to privatize the workers that worked there. Uh, they lost, I'm guessing, about half of their personnel. And they also lost their ability to have any kind of a training program. Now, going back in the early days of, of, of the 80s when we recognized the problem, we were able to ha- take their A-team and help them by training those A-team folks so they'd know what to do with the asbestos. And... You know, selfishly on our part, Local 14, we knew that by them knowing what the, how this was supposed to be done and how it was supposed to be done right, they were there with the eyes and ears and, and be able to see when somebody would come in and try to do something wrong. So not only would they let us know, they would let air management know. And air management, back in those days, within four hours, you'd have somebody from air management out checking the jobs. And if it wasn't being done properly, put a sign on the door and close it down. And so we've lost a lot of that aggressiveness. And... It's showing up in the schools because, in fairness to the teachers, they're recognizing a problem. And there's folks that may have a problem with Jerry Roseman, but Jerry Roseman is 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 their uh, gatekeeper, if you will, as to what the conditions of the schools are. He's certified. He's he's schooled in the in the environment with lead and asbestos and, and those things, and so he can identify a problem quicker than a teacher could, and so. You know, there's a little bit of pushback sometimes when he identifies more problems than folks want to believe. But the truth of the day, it's there. If it's in front of you, you know, it's you could you could talk about something that was a cloud or something like that. Right. If there's a big flood or something like that. There it is. Now, tell me it's not here, you know. And by the way, it's all broken open. It's you know, what is that? So uh, and that's part part of the problem. And I, I think we have a lot of people working on the positive end to get it fixed. 
I think, you know, nobody's looking to sling mud and blame this one, blame that one. It's, it's more about let's get a fix. As I said to Dr. Height and I, and I said to the city, I don't want to be a troublemaker. I want to be a trouble fixer. And that's what we need to do. And if we come together, if we find out that this stuff was done properly, then we can let the parents in that school and the teachers know that it was done. And then, you know, that helps us move to the next step, which is identifying and cleaning up. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, a special one-hour uh, program with the president of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding, joining us for the full hour. We'll get to a commercial break. We'll see you on the other side. Back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are brought to you by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Iron Workers Local 405, and Steam Fitters Local 420. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on a holiday weekend as we come to you with the president of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding, uh, joining us for the uh, full hour as 2019 comes to a close. Well, listen, guys, let's, let's, you know, there's enough negativity. We can go back to some more of that, and there's plenty there. But there's also some positive stuff. I started to say before... You know, our, as far as I'm concerned, our great mayor, who, who's not, uh, he's not, uh, he's not like the dynamic guy that wants to get out on the TV and those like, but he's out, he's a doer. And uh, by the way, I just got an award called a doer, so I, I like that word. Absolutely, yeah, nice. well deserved. Yeah. Well UA, UAC honored me at their 50th anniversary as a doer, so that's awesome. a plus, you know. Absolutely. And uh, as it turned out, it was uh, myself and uh, no less than Senator Hughes that we we both got the doer award together, and. Uh, Although we weren't supposed to be a comedy act, uh, we drew a few laughs when we were up there together. So, uh, you know, stumble and stumble over, we're, we're, we did pretty good. Well, so, well deserved. So anyway, that that's, you know, that's 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 kind of where we are. And and so, you know, Mayor Kennedy is a doer. He's doing stuff for kids. He's, uh, you know, when, when, you, when you get him in an area where kids are going to be there, for example, talking positive, Drexel's through, you know, President Fry, John Fry's insistence over many years put together uh, private and public money, took nine years, it shouldn't have taken that long, and maybe now that we learn a lesson, and, you know, proudly, uh, we as the AFL-CIO and our national fund, we were able to contribute somewhere around $10 million to the to the program, but they're going to take two schools that, like a lot of our schools in the, in the city, are ready to be demolished, quite honestly. They're, they're, not, they don't, they're not good for habitation, let alone for teaching. And so this new school that we broke ground with a week ago is, or so is going to be a school for these two schools, grade schools, to come together. And then, as I understand it, there'll be a middle school. And they'll, in West Philadelphia, they'll be able to accommodate in this brand new environment. Uh, so I think somewhere, I don't know how many hundreds of kids, but just the idea of taking that from from the ground up into a new school, you know, it bothers me. And I I have no problem with charter schools, but it bothers me, Joe and Joe, when I drive by a brand new charter school being built, and that's great for those kids. And then I get up around 17th and, and Cecil B. Moore, and I see the General Meade School, and these kids are going in an environment, in an atmosphere, in a building that should be condemned. And, you know, as I say often, if you had computers for the kids, they have no place to plug them in. You know, I've seen I've seen the Vair school down at Fifth and Washington where uh, there was an electric extension cord running from their little cafeteria to this boiler room that I mentioned before. And I and I, I questioned the person there and they said, well, you know, we have no place to plug it in. 
I said, well, now you can't close the door to the boiler room. You know, kids are inquisitive. What stops them from going down there? You and know? you got to imagine the kids sense that. I mean, Absolutely. if you're in, if, you know, before when you, if you're in your office before it gets cleaned up, whatever, you know what I mean. You just it just you know it, it, it you get a little frazzled. You know, when, when things are cleaned up and you're in something sharp, it makes you feel better. But staying on a positive note, I yep. mean, through Drexel's effort. And uh, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm proud to be a trustee at Temple University. And uh, being a little bit of a pain in the neck, I suggested to the to the president and to the chairman, that may be something we can do in North Philadelphia. You know, let's think about that. And, and you know, I committed to the, if, if we want to sit down and start talking about whether we can do that, maybe we could do it less than nine years. Now that we have a prototype, we have people to care. And I know before I left the groundbreaking, uh, talking to other people about the idea of doing these someplace else, because if you think about it, we're always concerned that we can't upgrade our schools, we can't upgrade the system because of money. So if you get some public-private partnerships together, we could, you know, you can't eat the whole elephant all at once, as we used to say, but you can bite it a piece at a time. And maybe someday we could have schools in Philadelphia like they have in Montgomery County. They might be nice. It might be a place where folks want to go to school. Sure. So, so that's a positive. I, I thank Drexel for that. Uh, I also thank Drexel for their involvement with the Hanneman and trying to keep the Hanneman open and, and St. Chris. Uh, I will tell you, as I told President Fry, you know, we have a couple differences of opinion here. I'm proud to be with you for this groundbreaking. By the same token, I'm a little upset that you and the other owners from Tower don't want to live up to the collective bargaining agreement that the nurses have. And by the way, we've talked about the nurses before. Most of their agreement is based on patient care, on how they can have the proper time to maintain the, the care that they need. And now we have these people coming in. And by the way, St. Chris didn't lose any money. And, you know, the guy who, was, uh, who bought these two hospitals, he didn't want St. Chris anyway because he wants to do some real estate over there at Hanneman where it's on uh, Vine Street. You know, he don't want to do it in a neighborhood where St. Chris is. Chris does God's work over there. They, the nurses do great work with those kids. It's in a neighborhood where it's so, so, so important. Uh, and now all of a sudden, the main people, the people who take care of our kids and, 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 and our, our family are being told, no, nah, we're not going to live up to your collective bargaining agreement. And, you know, now I watch big commercials. So all of a sudden, Reading Hospital is coming out with these big commercials, Towers, the owner, and all of a sudden they had the money for all this big advertisement. But they don't want to pay the teach. They don't want to pay the nurses and the other folks that work in the hospital. So, on that situation, I would say to to President Fry, you know, whatever influence you had to keep St. Chris, use that influence to take care of the people who take care of the kids. I said, that, and I and I think that's important. And and I I I think very. I really think I respect John Fry in the highest. He does great stuff for the community. Does great stuff with you know in, in that school area with Penn and, and Drexel, but. Uh, you got to remember the people. You got to remember those folks who, who get up every day with uh, nothing in mind but to take care of somebody's child that has a need. And so, that's kind of a plus and a, and a minus. I guess it's it's both. But we have St. Chris, which is a plus. Hanneman, not so good. You know, we we haven't seen any. Uh, I, I think the effort there seems to have died down. I I, uh, I don't see anything happening with that. And not only is that a lot of jobs, a whole lot of jobs, both nurses and other folks who worked at the hospital. But the community. The, the community. community. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they wake up with a sore foot and all of a sudden they don't know where to go. You know, where are they going to go? Gonna, or or, or you know. a heart attack. It, it was one of the most, it was one of the busiest uh, emergency rooms 24-7. 
I mean, and, and there's no denying the fact that it that it has to tax the other emergency rooms, uh, U of Penn, and of course Temple, um, because I'm sure that the statistics. The statistics don't change; they just go to different places. So, for you said it, Pat, the, the community around it, oh. you know, it's, it's, it, it creates a, a very difficult and potentially life endangering situation for a number of people. So, no, but well said, well put. I, I tell you, you, you talk about uh, maybe a dumb statement. Maybe it's not a dumb statement, but uh, eighteen years ago, uh, I arrived at Hammond Hospital for a test that I kind of thought was just wasting my time. And it turned out I had a little issue with my heart that I didn't know about. And I had a four-way bypass there. And I'm not saying that uh, because I'm some sort of a hero. I'm saying it because the best part of that experience there were the nurses that took care of me. It was unbelievable. And, you know, uh, there's certain things in life you remember. And I'm not smart enough to think, geez, I was really lucky because they found I had this heart situation. I had no heart attack. I was lucky. But the experience there... And, and I've said I've had some issues with, with eye operations, and I've said oftentimes I'd rather do two heart operations at Hanneman than I would these eye operations because they're yeah. crazy. I mean, that's, that's a little craziness in play, but I reflect back on how the great work they did at Hanneman Hospital, and now it's gone. Well, nurse, you know? the, and the nurse situation cannot be understated because, and we, you, Pat, you said at the beginning when you were talking about it, we've done, Joe Krause, we've done, how many shows have we done um, we got Maureen May, uh, you, you know, on here to land when they when they did the uh, Patricia Eakin, right? I mean, P- Patty yeah. Eakin, yeah. yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Talking about uh, the, the nurse patient ratios. Well, it's certainly something that the public can relate to. It's certainly something that all of the listeners tuning in right now can relate to because if you've gone to the hospital, if you've had a fem- family member uh, receiving treatment in a hospital, you can visually see or and easily experience the importance of the nurse who's taking care of you or your family member in the room. It's just, it's a, ama- it's just an amazing thing. They are the angels inside the They doors. run the hospital. When I had Pat, when I, when I had my knee operation and I was in, I went to a, we sound a, like a couple old guys now talking know, about our health. I, I know, <laughs> but it's true. You hit it on the head. I, the first thing I did was went to a neighborhood hospital and they, 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 they admitted me. I didn't think I was going to be admitted. And, and, we had somebody come in at a family relative who's, who, who, who is, is a nurse and anesthetist, and, and she said, listen to me, this is fine for testing and all that, but, and I could tell because I'd been there two days, I was going to be in trouble, but the nursing situation was bad, and when I got to a good hospital, a quality hospital, the nurses run, they run I mean, they run the hospitals, and if you don't have enough nurses, and there's an, a nurse-patient ratio where one nurse is, is, is treating 12 patients, there's a problem there. Well, I, you know, I have I have this roughness about me, I guess. But when they first took away the nurses' aides, Hanneman was another place. They took away the nurses' aides, cutting down like they did with the school district with the workers. And then when I was out there talking with the nurses, I would say, listen, who wants their family member having a nurse with one hand giving you a needle with the other hand fixing your bedpan? Yeah. Because they don't have anybody helping them. But that's how much the, with these hours. I mean, they, they do these 12 hour days that are jammed and probably most of them there are much more than 12 hours. And, you know, they're concerned. Last thing with here, the negotiation with these owners when they come into Hanneman, they were negotiating then. And one of the things that the owner did was try to buy them off. Let me be flexible with your work hours, your time, and I'll give you more money. 
So, you know, it just shows you how about how, how the dollar doesn't mean anything. Uh, uh, with the nurses, the nurses care about the patients. So, uh, you know, but listen, they're there. They're good. We're going to be with them. We we were there about a week or so ago with uh, St. Chris in the morning uh, trying to trying to make a point to those folks who were coming in from wherever they're coming in from, Reading or whatever. And we'll make the point with the, the doctor, I mean, uh, President Fry. And, uh, and knowing President Fry, I think... Uh, He'll be more of a help than he will be a hindrance with these folks. But there are things. And, and, you know, as I said, we have a lot of things happening. Just because we have a new year, uh, it's not going to change because we still have a lot of work ahead of us. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. A quick live broadcast here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We'll see you on the other side of the commercial break. On behalf of J-Doc, on behalf of our gracious host, Pat Eiding, I'm Joe Krause. Happy holidays, everyone. Back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are being sponsored by IOTC Local 8, District 1199C, and the Newspaper Guild. The right-wing conservatives don't have to drive themselves crazy. They can walk here. <laughs> God bless you. Back here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. The holidays uh, certainly upon us. Work being done right to the end of the uh, 2019 season with transition already uh, into the 2020 season. The president of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding, uh, is with us. It will be brisk, Pat, as the season ends and 2020 gets underway. Well, um, I'm sure. If it, but before you say anything, because before I we opened up his mic, should, you, go go, back, should, you should have never done it. But I was going to say, Pat, you referenced that you know we, we're dating ourselves as old guys. If we look half as good as Joe Krause when we get to his age, oh, yeah. I mean, we'll be lucky. I just want to yeah. make that. I've tried point. a couple times to duplicate that hat. I can't do it. No, I, I come up. I, it's the four corners on my head. I don't know. The, the Irish eyes are smiling or something. Well, he's got that trademarked, but we'll give him that. So listen, we want to continue. You know, this is this is coming to the end of a year that's been uh, very eventful, uh, and you can take that in a lot of different ways. And and uh, I know we're jumping around a lot here, and I, I want to make sure the audience understands that the, we're actually drinking water. There's nothing else. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. It does. It's not. It's not motivated by anything other than water. But you know, we have a you know we have a couple things that uh, they're positive coming up. Uh, listen, we have a city council. It's got some new blood in it. It's going to be interesting. Uh, we hope to, uh, uh, you know, we don't, what our what our our, our uh, a leadership retreat that we have in Atlantic City every year. Uh, I'm hoping, uh, you know, we haven't really put the invitation out yet, but I'm hoping that some of the new city council folks will come down and talk to our leaders, and uh, so folks get to know each other and 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 you know get some ideas from them. That uh, there's going to be some obviously some change. There's new ideas, and and it's it's not only healthy, it's exciting. It, it's good. It's kind of like uh, sometimes we we have these elections in our unions, and we say, oh my God, so and so, you know, Pat Hiding's losing. Who this guy? And you know, I I mean, I look at the transition in my local where I left. You know, Marty Camel did a fantastic job, probably better than me. And then Steve Pettit, now who you know, Joe, you went to school with Roman him. guy. Yeah, I you know we never held out. <laughs> Fairmount Roman guy, but but doing a fantastic job, and it's 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 you know there's a lot of good things. You know we have uh, uh, again, as I said, city council I think is great working with the mayor on some of the things he has. Uh, you know some of the decisions he has to make. Uh, interesting enough, uh, folks may not realize that 
you know, we, get, we did a lot of work to put together a school board, and I was very fortunate and, and proud to be part of the committee uh, for working for somewhere around three months, I think, putting a uh, our own school board together here in Philadelphia. Well, what folks don't realize that uh, it's consistent with the mayor's term. So even though the mayor is the same mayor, his term changed. So they're going to have to do the uh, they're going to have to do the school board again. And and you know, but here you know we have folks that have worked at it. When we went into this the first time. You know, there hadn't been a school board here for all those years. So we were working from the ground up, you know, which is great for a construction worker. But for people, it's a little different look. And so, you know, uh, the mayor's going to have his have to have that committee put together, uh, re-put together the school board. And I think it's going in the right direction. You know, there's growing pains with everything. But I think they did a relatively good job considering they were new. Look at these issues that are on the front of them that, that you know, without money and things like that. So, you know, that's something that's coming up. There's uh, there's there's different things coming up. And, of course, uh, Joe, something that's dear to you, you know, we'll have an all-star labor classic for MS. Uh, you know, every year that the trades have been doing this for 30 years now, I think. Is 33 years. 33 this years. 33, uh, uh, year number 33, and it's well in excess now of $3 million raised, donated. And here's the beauty of that. This is what stops me literally in my tracks when I start to talk about this game. Every single penny raised is donated. Every single Absolutely. one. And all the work. And all the work. It's unbelievable. It's the biggest event in the city of Philadelphia, in my estimation. And it's and spectacular. It's, I've never seen an event help so many people, those people in need who are inflicted by the disease, number one. The, 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 the kids, the basketball, the kids that get the opportunity to be a part of it with such a quality event. They get educational opportunities. They get scouted at those. It also, as, we, as we've said plenty of times before, gives those kids the opportunity to, 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 to make a difference in the lives of those who are less fortunate. So it's, just, and it's a great game to watch. And, so, and I think, you know, you just touched on it. The dinner that we have prior to the game gives the kids a chance to understand what it is for giving back. As you sure. said, look, many of them come on to be, many of the folks who played in our game are going on to be big pro folks and real good pro, pro basketball players. And, you know, uh, and they've come back. Ro Falcone, who works with us now, first of all, you got to love Ro Falcone. She's a dedicated person. She played in a classic. She went on to college. She played in college. She coached two college teams. And when realized that this thing was in need of some folks, she came back. She actually stepped up a couple times when the coach didn't show up for the for the young ladies team, whether it be you know the the suburbs of the city. Stepped up and coached them, and now she has a team. She's helping with folks who need uh, need a little bit more attention. She's. I mean, this is what came out of this effort. And she we rode. Just, and she rode shotgun uh, with us at one of the All Star Labor Classic radio specials, where right. we profiled some of the athletes. Yeah. Roe jumped in and wrote. And wrote I, I think you blew that show off, Jay Doc. And Roe no, I was there. there. I was up at the Steam for this local union. I, no way would I miss that one. Wow. No, but it, it was a fantastic show. It was great, and it was great to see everybody. And you there. can you can see if you go over the the and that's what Rose doing. She's working on alumni to get this all done sure. if you go over some of the names they're very prominent names oh, yeah. and this is the program that came out of listen a guy by the name of midge clavin and, and bumpy glassmeyer who played for villanova 
they come up with this idea because we tried to do it with the Globetrotters, and all we did was lose money. We didn't make it. Right. By putting these kids together, the suburbs, and, and you know, and of course, you can't go without saying that the labor class. The labor game, leaders. Where they, where they play against the, uh, now they play against the media, and some of the, the alumni, a couple of young ladies playing on that team now are alumni. And so, you know, if I can paint this picture, if you can picture a, a young person, a young child with cerebral palsy, at the end of the game, however we do it, it becomes tie. And and so these big basketball players, the, the tallest of the tallest, they grab this young young man or young lady, depending who's there that day, put a basketball in their hand and raise them up to make the last point to win awesome. the game. You can't get a dry eye when you see that kind of stuff. And, you know, listen, I want to leave this with folks. That's the labor movement in Philadelphia. Never mind all that stuff you're reading about investigations and all that kind of stuff. That's the labor movement. When, when the, that Mead School I mentioned needed lights, you know, no less than Local 98, John Doherty sent now. I don't know if this is against the law. He sent his coordinator in there, see how many lights they need, got the lights and put two floors of lights in so the kids could see where they're going. So I hope I hope Ed's not guilty of doing something wrong by doing that for the Everybody kids. knows how good they but, do. But that that's the kind of stuff labor does all the time. You know, Joe, when we first heard about Lift the Lift Vet, you know, the elevators put, going into veterans' houses and putting in a chair, putting in an elevator. So there's a lot of good stuff. So, you know, 2020 is going to see some great stuff, not the least being working now on 2026. The World Cup is coming to this country. There's a good chance the city of Philadelphia is going to be one of the cities where they play the game. And what we're working on already is to make sure the work is done with fair pay, fair conditions, and make sure people are represented so the work that is done is not like it's being done in Mexico someplace. J-Duck, I was going to give you 30 seconds to give, give us everybody a chance need- to wish happy, everybody happy holiday, but we're out of time. All right, so <laughs> Just I'll everybody take for, for granted that, I, that I'm wishing. But, Pat, I just want to say I can't think of a better way to... to um, to, to finish the show. Also, the blood drive at the Philadelphia Council, AFL-CIO, uh, Monday, December 23rd, 2019, 9 o'clock to 2 p.m. Right here and, on 22nd Street, and, second floor. Right, absolutely. What a great endeavor. That's what organized labor is all about. That's going to do it for this edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on behalf of Merry the president. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding, and of course, uh, our producer uh, and co-host, uh, Jay Doc. Boom. Uh, <laughs> I'm Joe Craig. Happy holidays, everyone. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor have been sponsored by Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, CWA, Communications Workers of America, and AFSME Local 1739, DC 47. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.